The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Good afternoon. Welcome to our non-residential retreat that will be focused on the aspect of bringing mindfulness into our daily lives. This is actually one of the most challenging areas of our practice. You know, it's easier to remember about being mindful if we're sitting still with our eyes closed. And even then it's not so easy at times. But as soon as we put ourselves into our day and we have all of the other activities and events that are going on, it becomes really hard to remember. And so uh, part of the reason I created this retreat was to support that remembering. So we'll have this afternoon where I'll offer some instructions, um, some, some guidance for how to begin to remember, some specific tools and techniques for how to begin to remember practicing in our daily lives. And I'll also offer a specific theme for the week to practice with every uh, one of these retreats. I hold these retreats about twice a year. And each retreat I offer the same basic guidelines for how to bring our mindfulness into our daily lives and then um, have a specific theme that we, we work with in common for the week. So we have today where I'll offer guidance on mindfulness in um, daily life, uh, our walking practice, our just general activities, and um, instructions on working with our particular theme. And then during the week, we'll meet, for those of you who are interested, uh, we'll meet morning and evening during the week from 7.30 to 9 a.m. and from 7.30 to 9 p.m. Those sessions are, uh, they're they're, um, basically to provide a a framework for reflection and discussion about what is happening for you in your daily lives as you are working with bringing this practice into the, into your daily lives. So it's not so much, we'll, we'll sit, we'll have a sitting of at least 30 minutes, um, sometimes perhaps a little bit longer um, in the morning and in the evening. That will be how, how our morning and evening sessions begin. And then it won't be the standard, you know, I give a talk and then maybe a few minutes for questions. It's mostly a time for discussion for you to bring your questions and your reflections about how this practice has been working for you. And this is actually very powerful. Um, the, The practice of daily, once or twice a day, contemplating and reflecting on your practice is a powerful way to connect with the intention to practice. So it's more powerful than you might imagine, actually, to have this time of reflection. And hearing also how others are engaged with the practice is very supportive. So I encourage you to come to those, if you can, as many as you can. If you coming today, you're welcome to come to uh, any of those that you would like to come to this week. 
It's most helpful, I mean, people who have actually done this week as a retreat where they've attended every single session, pe- those, the people that have done that have reported that it has been a very powerful week for them in terms of um, really beginning to connect with how you actually do practice in daily life, not just on the cushion, but in your daily activities, in your work and in your home life, in your relationships. So come to as many of them as you can or are inspired to. Um, I don't put any restriction on, uh, you know, that you have to come to all of them because I know many people have different schedules, different things going on in their lives, and it's very difficult to, to come to all of them. But I would like to encourage you to come to as many as you can just for your, your own sake with respect to um, um, connecting to the practice and learning how to bring this into your daily lives. The Monday and Thursday evenings are integrated with the normal um, sitting and talk for the Monday evening and Thursday evening programs. And so those evenings I'll be giving a talk. They will just be more normal and they'll just be, it'll kind of be like a stealth retreat those evenings. You know, there will be people who don't know that a retreat is going on and, and I'll be giving this uh, a talk that is relevant to the theme that we're working on. And, um, and then there'll be an opportunity perhaps for some discussion. Um, but there won't be, um, the, the form of the retreat will be somewhat different on those evenings. And then on Saturday, we'll have a day long where I will offer a, a, a type of practice that is, um, it's, it's a more open style of meditation practice. It's a, it's a practice that I learned from my teacher, Sayadaw Utejaniya. Um, and he, uh, he really encourages a very open spacious style of meditation practice that isn't so focused on paying attention to the breath. That's much more open to just whatever is happening. And I have found that style to be a a particular style of meditation practice that moves from the cushion to daily life with ease. And so we'll end the week with a, a day of meditation in that style. So just as a, um, just a, a, a few kind of logistical notes for today, um, I'll do quite a bit of instruction and we'll have some time for walking and a little bit of time for sitting and there'll be some, some time for, um, I'm going to do a, an exercise with you around the theme that we're going to be working with. And um, you're welcome at any time you need to to get up and just use the the, the bathrooms. Um, we, we will have regular breaks, but please don't force yourself if you're uncomfortable. Um, there is hot water and hot water for tea out there if you'd like. There's also a pitcher with cool water if you'd prefer cool water. You're welcome to bring water into this room, but please um, not teas or um, or other drinks. Um, When we do walking meditation, the um, I'm actually going to ask you to do walking meditation in a style that is much more normal 
It's not like back and forth slow walking. It's normal walking. So I'm actually going to ask you to just take a walk and practice with the instructions I give you with walking. But in any case, the I just want to let you know that the dentist next door on that side of our building, there's a parking lot with the dentist office. They have asked that we not do walking meditation in their parking lot and also that we not walk back and forth in front of their driveway. So please do respect their wishes. Um, Any other logistical announcements? Can you think of anything, Maureen? One announcement about our guest, Yolanda, um, is with Sophie. She's a service dog, and she helps Sophie, so she'll be here. She's very quiet. She meditates very well. Ah, yes, and during uh, discussion times, we will be uh, using the microphones, and there will be an opportunity for, um, for discussion and question and answer periodically. And the way we use the, the microphones is we, uh, we pass them from hand to hand, is the, is the easiest way to get them around the room. And we use them for t- a couple of reasons. One is that um, they, the amplification of the, the audio is also fed into uh, hearing-assisted devices. So people who, are, um, ha- who have a little difficulty hearing can use these hearing-assisted devices and hear very clearly what we're saying. And the other piece is that we do record um, pretty much what a lot of what happens here at IMC, almost everything that happens here at IMC, and it's posted on the Internet so that others can have the opportunity, others who don't live in this area can have the opportunity to, um, to participate. And it's actually quite amazing to... We get emails from all over the world, actually, for, uh, from people who appreciate this center. We are actually a worldwide center. <laughs> kind of amazing. So I just want to check in. Are there any questions uh, about logistics or about the format of the retreat? Um, Yes, in the back. Um, You mentioned that the um, during the week that they're going to be more of a supportive Thing. If, if we can't make all of the sessions, are they going to be posted to the web so that we could um, listen to them perhaps? At our I, own? Do, I do plan to um, um, have those recorded if possible. I mean, I, have to, I usually have to remember to do those myself. But um, often they don't get posted for some time after. Okay. So... Um, that's that's just the way it works here. Okay. <laughs> that yeah, it doesn't go right up as soon as they're recorded. Any other questions or uh, Okay. How many of you are planning to attend the week as a retreat? As much as possible, yeah. Well, let's Okay, good, good size group. Thank you. So since this is a retreat, I'd like to um, begin the way we begin a residential retreat, which is to provide, to begin with providing a container. Um, 
to kind of set the context for the retreat of being one of orienting ourselves towards the Dharma and of um, agreeing to some principles, some guidelines for how we'll engage with the week. And so this is um, typically called the refuges and the precepts. And I'll just speak about them briefly. So I don't want to take too much time um, talking about these. So the refuges are basically um, kind of a... They're a support for us. There are places and um, ways to connect back to our practice when we feel like we've gotten a little bit lost. And that's what a refuge is, if we think about what the the word refuge means. It's a place of safety, a place of security, a, a kind of a coming home, a coming back. There are three refuges. The refuge in the Buddha, the refuge in the Dharma, and the refuge in the Sangha. And the refuge in the Buddha is historically thought of as being the refuge in the, the, the Buddha that actually lived. Um, but there are actually, the way the, the Buddha is talked about at times in the texts is not so much as the historical person, but as the quality or the awakeness. When the Buddha became awakened, he met somebody who, who was kind of uh, amazed at the way he looked. And the, the, that person asked him, well, are you, are you a god? And the Buddha said, no. And uh, he said, well, are you a man? And the Buddha said, no. And the, the, the man asking him said, was a little confused at this, and he said, well, what, what are you? And he responded saying, I am awake. And that is the word Buddha, awake. That's what the word Buddha means, awake. And so it's kind of referred to as a quality. I am awake. I am Buddha. I am awake. So uh, the, the capacity that we have, we actually all have the capacity to become awake And for me, that's where this refuge feels meaningful, is taking refuge in the capacity that is inherent in us to be awake. The quality of mindfulness itself is the seed of this capacity. And this quality of mindfulness is an ordinary quality of mind that we all touch into from time to time throughout our day, whether we realize it or not. So the, uh, this is c- taking refuge in the Buddha, to me, is kind of reminding myself of the fact that even if I feel like I'm struggling or having difficulty, there is this capacity for awakeness in this human being, the human being that's sitting right here. And that, for me, has been a great support, just as a reminder. You know, I feel like I can't do this practice or something, and yet... I know that this capacity is inherent. So it's coming back to that reflection of that capacity being inherent in us. The second refuge, the refuge in the Dharma, 
has a couple of meanings also. It um, often refers to the teachings of the Buddha, the actual teachings that he gave 2,500 years ago and that have been recorded and set down in the texts, the Buddhist texts. It also refers to the practices that he offered, the practices of mindfulness, of concentration, of loving-kindness. And another term for dharma, dhamma, another way that it is understood is that it is understood as nature or truth. We say something, it is the dharma of something, it is the nature of something, it is the truth of something. So to some extent, the, the dharma also reflects just the truth of what is happening. It, it reflects the truth of experience aside from our preoccupations, our views, our opinions, and our beliefs. So taking refuge in the Dharma can mean taking refuge in the teachings. It can mean taking refuge in the practice. And this for me has been quite meaningful, actually, both of these, taking refuge in the teachings, although that feels more intellectual, taking refuge in the teachings, reflecting on the teachings feels more intellectual. Taking refuge in the practice is more experiential. That can be any time that you feel like, what's going on? How can I connect with experiences? Well, what is happening? Am I aware? What am I aware of? It's that simple of just connecting to what you are, what is happening and using some of the tools and techniques that the Buddha offered. And then there is taking refuge in just the truth of what's happening in this moment. And this is actually a very reliable refuge. It sometimes doesn't feel reliable because the truth of what's happening in this moment may not be pleasant. It's also changing constantly. But it's aligning ourselves with that truth that makes us relax. It, it, it allows us to feel at ease when we are not fighting with the way things are. When we're not fighting with things that we like and don't like and we're just able to meet experience as it is, the whole mind-body system relaxes and that is a very deep place of refuge and then there's a refuge in the sangha and traditionally this means a refuge in the sangha of people who have awakened those people who have done the work, who have practiced. And this is a great support for us because it is through the practice of others that we learn about the teachings. It is really a, a hand-to-hand kind of transmission. It's not so easy to simply read the works or read the text and then go off and do it yourself. There, 
the support of people who've engaged, who've actually run up against the difficulties and uh, navigated them is very valuable. And so this is a great support for us. Another great support for us is the community of practitioners that we're practicing with this week. And those of you who attend this week will really feel that, how supportive it is to hear how other people are engaging. On a residential retreat, when we go on residential retreat, we're not speaking. And the support that we get from the other practitioners tends to come from just seeing that everybody else is sitting and walking. Anytime you feel like you're struggling, you might look across the room and see somebody sitting there or walking mindfully, and you might feel, wow, if they can do it, I can do it. There's a similar kind of thing that happens on this retreat, only it tends to happen through the discussions, that when you hear how somebody else is choosing to engage with their practice, you may get some ideas about how to engage with yours. If they can do it, I can do it. And so these these three refuges, I like to think of the refuge in taking refuge in our capacity for awakening, taking refuge in the tools and the truth of how we awaken and what we awaken to, and the support which we all need in order to awaken. So taking refuge in the Buddha, in the Dharma, and in the Sangha. And then the precepts, the, the guidelines or ethical conduct, guidelines for ethical conduct that support us in kind of an agreement of how we'll engage together. And these guidelines are, are we, I like to think of them and they are taught actually, the, the phraseology of the precepts when we take them is that they are training guidelines. So they are, they are the way we orient ourselves. But it's not so much just that we take these on as hard and fast rules. If we're taking on precepts, and the precepts are refraining from killing, refraining from taking what is not given, refraining from sexual misconduct, refraining from false speech, and refraining from intoxicants that cloud the mind and lead to heedlessness. So if we think of those as simply, you know, thou shalt not, and they're just rules, guidelines, you know, they're not, they're, they're just hard and fast rules, and you're just going to follow these rules, then you're not engaging with them as trainings. So it really is about observing yourself when you get into the ter- territory of possibly... Um, bumping up against one of these precepts, of po- possibly breaking one of these precepts, that it asks us what, what the precept, what the training rule is asking us to do is to begin observing. Start looking at your intention. Start looking at your, uh, what's happening in your mind and body. Is this something you want to do? So the, the, um, 
I don't want to talk too much about these. I'm sure most of you are familiar with them, but I'll just say a couple of words about, uh, about each one. So refraining from killing, refraining from taking life. Um, you know, even if you, just, if you just think about this as refraining from taking human life, this is not a small precept. I mean, we typically extend this to refraining from taking any kind of life refraining from killing insects and um, other creatures. Um, and this is the active killing. This, this refers to the intention to kill and following through on that intention. Not the accidental killing that might happen if you walk across a lawn, for instance, and step on a spider that's there that you don't know is there. So typically we expand the, this precept to that Range and yet just reflect on the uh, what this world would be like if everyone committed to refraining from killing human beings. What a different world it would be. So even that aspect of the precept is a gift that we give to the world. We can think of these precepts as gifts to the world. Actually, they're gifts of safety to everyone that is around you, that people feel safe in your presence. So refraining from taking what is not given, um, refraining from sexual misconduct. This one asks us kind of to look at our sexual energy and to see how are we using our sexual energy? Are we using it to manipulate um, Primarily the context of the precepts is, is that of non-harming. And so the, uh, in all of these, the, the question is, will our behavior result in harm? And so this, this is asking us to look at how we engage with our sexuality and is that engagement creating harm for others? So that's, that's a reflection that we can make around our sexuality. The fourth, um, refraining from false speech, that one's pretty clear, and I'll actually talk more about um, speech later. That's our theme for the week, wise and mindful speech. And then the fifth is refraining from intoxicants. And I'd like to, to, to suggest that um, for this week, I mean, this, this refers to recreational drugs and alcohol. And I'd like to suggest that if you do um, engage in occasional glasses of wine or other recreational drugs and um, alcohol for in your normal life, I'd like to suggest you see what it might be like to let it go this week. Just explore what what it means to let go of that. In that exploration, you can start to look at what's your intention behind using them. Just explore it and see what happens to you as you just let it go for a week. So I'd like to offer the the refuges and the precepts. Um, 
the first, the refuges I'd like to do is a chant in the Pali language. And the precepts I'd like to offer uh, in English, um, in, not as a chant, but just as spoken. And we'll do the, um, these as call and response. And if you don't feel comfortable chanting, that's fine. You can just sit in the space and, and take in the, the chant. So for the chanting, the, the chanting we will say, the first part is kind of an homage to the Buddha. It, it is just it, uh, expressing some of the qualities, some of the beautiful qualities of the Buddha and expressing gratitude for the, those qualities. And we'll say that three times. Uh, and then the precepts themselves. The precepts are Buddhang Saranangachami, which basically Buddham, Buddha, Buddha. Uh, Saranang means refuge, and Gachami essentially means to walk. So it basically means I walk to refuge to the Buddha. So there's Buddhang Saranangachami, Damang Saranangachami, Sangang Saranangachami. And we'll say that three times. Um, the second time through we'll put the phrase dutiampi in front of that which means for the second time the third time we'll put the phrase tatiampi in front of that which means for the third time and I think how many of you uh, know these precepts I mean these refuges how many of you are familiar alright well I'll do it in, in call and response since not, not very many of you know it um, I'll do it a few words at a time so that you can so I'll, I'll chant and then you can respond. Namo tasa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambuddhasa Namo tasa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambuddhasa Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambuddhasa Buddhang Saranangachami Dhammang Saranangachami Sangang Saranangachami Dutiampi Buddhang Saranangachami Dutiampi Dhammang Saranangachami Dutiampi Sangang Saranangachami Tatiampi Buddhang Saranangachami Tatiampi Dhammang Saranangachami Dhammang 
precepts I'll do a line at a time in English. I undertake the training precept to refrain from killing living beings. Undertake the training to refrain from killing living beings. I undertake the training precept to refrain from taking that which is not given. I undertake the training precept to refrain from sexual misconduct. I undertake the training precept to refrain from false speech. I undertake the training precept to refrain from intoxicants which cloud the mind. I'd like to sit for a few minutes, say maybe 20 or so minutes. Um, how many of you are not are new to meditation, have not done meditation much? Okay. You know, I, I think I'll, I'll go ahead and just, we'll be silent for these 20 minutes and uh, just do the practice that you're familiar with.